All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking... Is this a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency bubble? And what the heck is a Bitcoin anyway? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Games. It will expand your brain. If you've been anywhere online lately, you have certainly seen the news about Bitcoin being at all-time highs. And even if you don't know what a Bitcoin is or what cryptocurrency is, I think you would definitely recognize the name. You know, something is going on. And there's been a lot of questions I've received for the podcast for people wanting to know more about Bitcoin and is this something you should be invested in? Is this a currency that makes sense? Is this the future? So many questions. So I was so excited on this podcast to have the chance to talk to Daniel and Kendi, who are from Millennial Wall Street, a Facebook group that I belong to that was started by Daniel. And there are geniuses on this Facebook group. They talk all about different types of investing. And we took it to the group to find experts so that we could bring you the most relevant information about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and the things that you need to know as a millennial. All right. Well, I am so excited to have Daniel and Kendi on the podcast talking about what is becoming a seemingly very popular topic, the cryptocurrencies and Bitcoins. And Daniel, if you could start out, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Millennial Wall Street, which is kind of how we're all here together today. Okay. Well, thank you for having me on again, Shanna. It's a 
been about a year since we did our first podcast. Um, and so Millennial Wall Street has it's really become a think tank that's focused on professional and retail investing strategies, accounting, corporate finance activity, economics, um, you know, personal finance for everyday people, um, and various asset classes, uh, including cryptocurrency. So group started with about 50 of my relevant contacts in 2014, and it has recently just passed 2,000 members worldwide. I'm, I mean, majority is in the United States. I've got tons of people in California, New York, I mean, Texas, just all over, all over the U.S., plenty of people in the Middle East, um, lots in Europe as well. So it's growing and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is incredible. Awesome. So, Kendi, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello. I My name's Kendi, obviously, and I am a member of Millennial Wall Street. Daniel and I were actually friends from college, although we've become closer friends after college once we both noticed that finance was something that we wanted to pursue more. I majored in finance and economics, and I've done investing for years upon years now in traditional stock market ETF type stuff. And then more recently, I've become more knowledgeable in cryptocurrency and crypto finance and blockchain technology. And it's really expanding the horizons in terms of what is going to be available in terms of global economics and global commerce. And that's something that's really exciting to me. So I've just been doing a lot more research and going down the rabbit hole, so to speak. A lot of us in this space call it the rabbit hole because there are so many different avenues to turn down, especially when you're dealing with open source technology, which is the base for a lot of this, which is new and exciting. But when it's open source, it's constantly changing and being updated, which again is new and exciting, but it's a lot to keep up with, I'll be honest, (laughs) but it's a lot of fun too. So I'm just doing my best. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of the listeners have heard these terms, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, you know, all these different terms that we throw out. And a lot of people are still kind of mystified over, well, what does that actually mean? So, Kendi, let's start with you. (laughs) What do you think is really leading this global phenomenon for cryptocurrency? And what is cryptocurrency? I think the best way to describe what's leading it is this desire to have a more decentralized and to some degree um, anonymous way to be able to make transactions. Because so many of our transactions nowadays, there's a central authority, whether it's a bank or a clearinghouse or the government itself, is kind of monitoring what you do and controls the money supply and what is going to be what's going to become of it therefore and i think um what this peer to peer technology does what cryptocurrency does is allows people to create their own network a decentralized network that doesn't have the sovereignty and traditional borders of a given country i mean it's it's global like i can transact with, without having to worry about exchange rates with someone that lives across the world. And I think that's really appealing to people. And I think the initial appeal of it too came from people that really wanted that anonymity. They didn't want people to know what they were buying and selling. And that's how we got the Silk Road. And that's how Bitcoin really got started um, in yeah. terms of becoming relevant. 
Um, and now we're just uh, starting to see it become adopted more in a mainstream fashion. And there's a lot of money to be made from it. I think that's where so much of the, the current frenzy is happening. I mean, it's not so much about the principles anymore that it was built upon and the demand that it was trying to fulfill in that sense. But now it's about the money that can be made from it and just trying to trying to come to terms with that. And in terms of what it is, um, I think the best way is to like distill it down to the fact that it's based on something called blockchain technology. And blockchain is a distributed ledger technology. It's, you know, a lot like an accounting ledger with debits and credits and transactions, but instead of being maintained by a human being or a company that's largely controlled by human beings, it's being controlled by a network, a um, an online network that has set protocols that it has to meet, like certain math standards that it has to meet in order for to verify transactions. And that's how you get miners. Like that, that's how they're relevant is they're the ones mining the coins, therefore verifying transactions of, for the network. And they're compensated with whatever the given cryptocurrency is. Um, Wow. Yeah. That, that, that is <laughs> definitely know, a, no, that is an awesome, <laughs> awesome to, explanation. It's hard to put it very simply, um, unless you have a more specific question. Like I said, there's just, there's so much to begin to explain to even try to, I think to really distill it down again, it's a peer to peer network. So it doesn't have a central authority um, that's in charge of the supply and the transactions like it's decentralized it's democratic and it allows for um commerce to be peer-to-peer -peer instead of centralized i think that's the best way to, to cliff note it yeah yeah absolutely so you know you mentioned um you mentioned bitcoin in there and obviously this is something i'm getting a lot of questions about you know what is bitcoin should this be something you know i add in my portfolio and Daniel, could you give us just a little background on Bitcoin? You know, why is this maybe why is the, you know, the surge in share price happening with Bitcoin? So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business. So you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is its simple and easy customizable designs. So the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips. And Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me, and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. 
And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The host, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away, and back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Okay, so I think that it has been going up like crazy for a few reasons. Um, so the, the first one, um, it's, let me see. Yeah. The, okay. The first reason I have here is basically there's this thing called regulatory arbitrage. I didn't come up with that. I heard that from NYU professor Scott Galloway, and I'll get a little like background on that. He was talking about how Amazon is able to go into essentially any industry and take out the competition and is becoming a monopoly, and they're able to do this um, freely until the government steps in and starts regulating it. So. You know, technology and technologists will innovate to no end. They innovate faster than laws get passed. And so the law has to catch up to the technology. Um, and I think Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general um, are way ahead of the law. You see that this is why the SEC, that's the Securities and Exchange Commission, 
um, you have all these government bodies that are saying like, well, okay, what do we do? How do we treat this asset class? It's so volatile or it's like these ICOs, the initial coin offerings, like, are they illegal? Are they not? Are endorsements by people illegal? Are they not? Um, but you have tons of people piling into this. I mean, like, obviously not as many, there's not as big of a market for cryptocurrencies as there is for regular markets, bonds, currencies um, at the moment. But you have tons of retail investors and slowly and slowly, big institutional investors are starting to put money into this. And that's going to start driving up the price. Now, today, or what is it like last night, you had the, uh, the CBOE and the CME announced that they're going to start creating uh, derivatives and futures products for cryptocurrencies. I mean, that's going to make the market, I don't know how many times over, it's going to be so much bigger than it is. I mean, it's, gonna, it's really going to become even more and more billions. So the price is going up because the investors are starting to get more confident. I mean, price is driven by consensus. So, you know, the more people who believe in this, the more people pile money into this, the higher the price is going to go. I mean, especially with Bitcoin, I'd say that Bitcoin is the most prominent and successful digital currency right now. I mean, you have Litecoin, Ether or Ethereum, whatever it's called. I, I don't really, I mean, there's like, Candy, there's like, what, over a thousand or two thousand now or something, but. Yeah, there's tons of them. I mean, a lot yeah. of them aren't nearly as relevant, but that's what you run into when you have open source technology also is just about anyone could go on to GitHub, figure out what a lot of the code is for it, build their own applications, build their own currencies um, just in the raw or on top of platforms that are already built like Ethereum. Um, And then you just have all of these different options that aren't always built on substance. It's a lot like the dot-com bubble was in the sense that you have all, it was so easy to create a website, relatively speaking, back right. then, and so much money in being able to create a website and have your own stake of a dot-com claim, so to speak, and make mm-hmm. money off of it. And so there was a lot more people doing it that didn't necessarily have a long-run mission, vision, values um, in mind for their business model. They just wanted to make a quick dollar. And mm-hmm. a lot of this reminds me, too especially with the smaller ones that you get into um, of the movie, the big short. And we're talking about the real estate bubble and how Michael Burry's character played by Christian Bale goes, there's definitely a correlation between um, between fraud and complexity. And I feel like that's a lot of what's happening in this market too, is there's a lot of, because it's so easy to make all these little coins and now there's going to be derivatives of the coins, which is even more complex and the coins themselves and the way they're structured are complex in the first place that there's no doubt that when you examine this entire market, it's, there's a lot of fraudulent activity and there's a lot of investing that's happening. That's going to blow up in people's faces. But I think once the bubble does burst and blow up in people's faces, there's going to be, um, a few projects left, a few currencies right. left um, that are legitimate and have a long-term vision and are going to be, they're going to be the next Facebook. They're not going to be the next MySpace, you know? Right, exactly. I mean, and last thing I want to say on this, and I just want to make this kind of very clear, but it's like you have startups. I mean, okay, let's let's kind of rewind on that for a second. The reason that companies raise capital, say a company wants to raise capital for its projects, for whatever it wants to do, and if they don't want to raise debt, 
they go into capital markets, they go into equity capital markets, and they go into an IPO, initial public offering. So they, they give up some of their stock and in exchange for capital, and then they become publicly traded, and that's how you find companies on the stock market. I mean, any company you think of that's public, Snapchat, Coke, Facebook, um, Boeing, whatever, Apple, they all raise capital this way. There are startups right now that instead of saying, okay, we don't want to go public, we don't want to have scrutiny from the SEC, from the federal government, we want the regulations, but we know technology and there is a massive craze going on right now with cryptocurrencies. So screw it. Let's, let's tell our engineers to build us a quote unquote XYZ coin, whatever it's called. And then let's get some marketing dude who's really good on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to blast it out to tons of people and hype it up. And then we will do the ICO, the initial coin offering. And you have tons of investors, typically retail investors. Um, sadly, these people are just very heavily uninformed and they're excited, so that never ends well. But people are piling their money into these ICOs um, and they're getting these coins, right? And you're, you're, giving, you're literally transferring your cash to this company and this company is getting cash, they're getting liquidity. I mean, they might get so much money, they don't, they don't even use it for their actual company. They might just say, well, we just made millions of dollars, like, okay, we're, reti we're retiring. But then yeah. the investor essentially gets these thousands or millions of coins. You're, they're basically a receipt. And you don't, unless a company tells you, or until like capital market and banking professionals somehow structure this so that coins become equity, um, this is just, yeah. this is ridiculous. I mean, this is 100% fraud. Um, it's worthless. So yeah. It's just, there's, no, there, there's no intrinsic value. There is no intrinsic value in this, um, especially so, in the ICOs. Yeah, some projects do have intrinsic value. And that's where I'm trying to come into the Very game a little bit. Actually come up with some valuation metrics like across the board to help compare them. Because I want to know in the end, once this bubble bursts, who is going to be, who's going to be the AOL and who's going to be the Google? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I mean, think... Those are, the, we want, those are the ones that we want to buy at the lowest points. Yeah, like, exactly. First, but then, yeah. there's no there's no standardized valuation metrics for this market like there are in finance. So that's where I'm trying to come in and do a little bit of a, a hybrid and see what I can apply to traditional finance and longstanding, well-trusted valuation metrics how I can apply those to this market. And so far it's going relatively well, but again, a lot of it, I think a lot of it comes down to the human capital that's driving it. Like if you really know the psychology and intentions behind the humans that are behind any given project, then it's a lot easier to determine whether or not it's going to be worth your money in the end. But a lot of times with these ICOs and these like project startups, you don't really get to know who the team is that well or that readily and what their intentions are. And if they're really trying to make a product that's going to change the world and change global commerce and their principles are driving them versus the ones that, like you said, they release an ICO, they make millions of dollars overnight and then they just and go done, and yeah. Cancun for the rest of the time. Like, <laughs> So yeah. how can, um, you know, listeners on the podcast that are you know, fairly novice, I would say, certainly, you know, don't have as much knowledge as, as both of you do, but, ha you know, are interested in investing in these. I mean, how do they 
avoid some of these pitfalls that you're talking about? Or is there just there's just no way to really avoid that? You just hope that you're you're standing with the one that comes out, you know, at the Google. I don't care if it's cryptocurrency or if you're at a blackjack table or if you're investing like in stocks or bonds that are well established. Don't invest money that you can't afford to lose. Like, especially when it comes to more volatile markets, especially when it comes to returns, like when it comes to gambling or returns that are really similar to the crypto markets in that sense. Like, think of a, a chunk of money that if you lost it overnight, you would still be able to sleep at night just fine and start with that. And then worst case scenario, you lose it, but you could still sleep at night. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Yeah, Daniel, what do you, what do you, what do you yeah. think? So it's definitely an, I mean, 100%. If this is, if there is ever a textbook definition of an alternative asset, it's, uh, it's going to be cryptocurrency. Um, but I would say, yeah, so like, don't, don't put a ton of, I mean, like it, I guess it depends on your risk level, but I, number one thing for any investment you make, I don't care if it's stocks, currencies, bonds, leveraged funds, I, I don't care. Whatever you invest in cryptocurrencies, the number one thing you have to do is research. You have to do your due diligence because if you don't know what you're getting into, you will very likely get slaughtered. Financially. Well, yeah, you become the greater uh, fool that all of us profit exactly. off of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so if you're just going to become a liquidity provider to the people who got there first, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be the end of it. I mean, you'll learn your lesson. You'll be mad, and you'll be sad, and you'll be less well off than you were, and then <laughs> you won't invest again. for a while because you're so annoyed. So yeah, do your but- research, your due diligence. I mean, like Candy's like, like she's like researching like hundreds of these things trying to figure out which one is going to be remotely relevant once the whole thing kind of blows up. And I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not saying it's going to blow up today or tomorrow. I mean, Bitcoin just crossed 7,000 after the futures announcement or whatever, but look, there are, there have been over 50 hedge funds set up. So these guys could literally just flip ICOs, meaning whenever some, whenever some company decides to ICO, these hedge funds come in with like millions of dollars and they'll just buy it and sell it right away because they'll, they'll make stupid margins on it. They're like the profits are insane, but they're depending on foolish investors who know absolutely nothing to come in and be, just drive up the price and then they sell it. And there's, look, th- there's nothing wrong with this kind of a strategy, but it goes to show you how, like, I don't even know, like this market is just not, it's not clean, I guess. It, well, it hasn't become, I think it was really well intended in the beginning. And just like what the internet did for communication and information in terms of decentralizing it, helping it expand exponentially and globally, I think the internet did wonderful, amazing and beautiful things for the culture we currently live in today. And I believe Ooh. that blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is going to be doing the same thing for commerce on a global global decentralized democratic level i like i very much believe in those principles and how it's going to change our culture but just like with the dot-com bubble and just like with the cryptocurrency bubble there's a lot of money to be made and a lot of frenzy that's happening to promote it in the meantime Um, so that's where i think again it comes down to not focusing on the fact that it's all going to blow up one day but in the middle of the bubble that's happening like find the projects 
with the people behind them that really are mission driven and want to change the world for the better when it comes to commerce, decentralization. Um, they, they have a project that they're legitimately passionate about. They're not trying to make it too complex, therefore fraudulent. They're trying to be transparent and come up with come up with something that's going to be innovative, kind of like what Google does on a daily basis or what Facebook yeah. does on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I, honest, I can <laughs> I can imagine that uh, everybody who knows crypto is probably like who's listening to this is probably like, God, this guy is such a bleep, bleep, bleep or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it depends on why they're in the market. If they're in the market yeah, to just true. make a lot of money and you're calling them out, then yeah, of course. But I mean, oh, someone I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not saying I'm, I'm completely correct about this. I mean, and this is going to sound really cliche and it's been said a bunch of times, but I do believe in the blockchain technology more so than the coins themselves. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I, again, I know that's very cliche and it's been said a billion times and I'm a, it's like a broken record, but I don't know. This stuff is just, it's fascinating. For, it's more fascinating from an economics perspective to me than from an investing perspective. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, you and I both know so many people who have made so much money off of this and it's just awesome. Um, right. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too, is just being able to know when to get in, when to get out. And just like with stocks, I mean, you want to buy relatively low. Like I don't buy unless it's dipping relatively significantly. And then I hold it. Like I find some coins and some projects that I believe in on a relatively long-term basis. Long-term in this market is still short-term relative to everything else. <laughs> but, um, and then when it's dipping, I it's on sale in my point of view. I go and I buy some and I hold it. And then yeah. so far, knock on wood, that's worked out well. Yeah, and I guess the biggest challenge right now, as to what you alluded to with like the traditional valuation metrics, is right now everything has to be evaluated heavily on a qualitative basis versus a quantitative one. And once once there's more established rules, if you will, uh, which kind of goes against the whole decentralization thing, but I think the quantitative side will become a little bit easier. I mean, I, I talked to a few technicians and traders who are like applying statistics to this and trends and all that kind of stuff and i guess they're doing well or so they say but i mean any any pure fundamentalist would tell you to not touch this thing with a hundred foot pole but again <laughs> those, those, those are the kinds of people who aren't really investing it anyways so yeah so so la <laughs> last question to you both we'll start with candy um you know what does the future look like with uh this, this alternative investment with cryptocurrency well, I feel like I already kind of alluded to it in the sense that I think cryptocurrency and blockchain technology more specifically is going to change the way commerce works and the way global economics works. And even for that matter, the way sovereignty works, because I think so much of like this implied and subconscious patriotism that we have is linked to what currency we use within our given country. And I think we're going to see that start to transform over the next five to 10 years. As far as as an investment goes and what currencies are actually going to be the ones that are the front runners in that long term, it's hard to say. Um, so, again, I, I'd say within the next like couple years, we're going to see a really big correction. The bubble is going to pop, so to speak. So in the meantime, just find some projects that you believe in, invest in them when they are trading at relatively low levels them don't just sell them out of fear when things start to dip again because i think that's what your typical uneducated investor does 
Um, and good luck to you. <laughs> that's that's the, the biggest thing is, yeah, good luck to you. I mean, it is a bubble, but there's legitimacy within it and that it's built upon and founded upon. So just look for that. Yeah. And Daniel, what do you think? So, so I'm in, I'm visiting in New York right now. I'm, I've been here for two weeks, just setting up. I've been in meetings and conferences, like with a lot of finance people. And a lot of people are talking about this and it's interesting hearing their takes. Like this is fund managers, wealth managers, bankers, everybody. Um, one thing that I really liked from the, a director of research and portfolio manager at a prominent uh, wealth management firm out here, he said that like for all of their clients uh, who are a little bit more savvy and have a little bit like more money in the account, you know, like it, it's difficult to tell your client, no, you can never trade because like, you know, wealth management, like they're, they're passive advisors. They get into ETFs and they index them and they have obviously their strategies and all that. But if the client says like, Hey, I want to invest in this, or I want to trade a little bit, or I want to go into this alternative asset. He said like, we're not going to tell them no, but we're going to say you shouldn't take out more than 5% of your portfolio into this little side fund hobby venture, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, Cryptocurrency, it, it is an alternative asset class. It is a risky asset class. It's incredibly volatile. And you no, know, you shouldn't. I, I, I'm not going to say you. I would not put more than and 5%. For me, I guess I wouldn't put more than 10%, 15% on a good day. Of my <laughs> and well, no, that's kind of what I did. I took a very small amount that I could easily afford to lose. And then I just reinvested the returns I made on top of that, which were pretty significant within a six month span. And then you have that much more money to play with. But yeah, start small that way. If absolute worst comes to worst and you lose all of it, you're only like 5% down from where you initially started. But reinvest the returns that you do make in it so you can have more fun along the way. <laughs> Yeah, the, this has been great. You know, thank you both for the incredible wisdom on on this topic. Like I said, I know we're going to have a ton of questions and we talk about subjects like this all the time on uh, Millennial Wall Street. So, Daniel, tell listeners where they can connect with Millennial Wall Street so, you know, they can join in on some of these fun conversations. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> uh, there've been there've been a ton of threads and arguments and debates on Millennial Wall Street. <laughs> all healthy, uh, all healthy. Relatively respectful all, ones, yeah. <laughs> all, all, all healthy. I mean, it, oh God, it's, it's, been, it's been fun and interesting. And uh, sometimes we see so many of them, it's kind of like, wait, no, what about the stocks and the bonds? But um, <laughs> you can find Millennial Wall Street on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. It's a, it's a private group to make sure like that we can, we don't get any spammers and scammers in there. We take that kind of stuff very seriously. So when you go to your Facebook search bar, just type in millennial, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, -L -L, space wall, space street, all full words, no abbreviations, nothing like that. And you find it, you click add yourself to the group. And recently the admins and I, Kenty being one of my admins actually, um, we decided that we need to start vetting people because we, again, we just surpassed 2000 people. We don't want any spam or scam or any BS in there. So there are three questions that you will have to answer. Um, just want to make sure that you read everything thoroughly and answer accordingly. And yeah, you'll be led into the group. 
There's a lot that we can talk about this topic for sure, but I know that you'll agree that Daniel and Kendi, they know what they're talking about when it comes to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And I love their opinions on it too, right? They're not afraid to say like, here are the downsides of these types of currencies. But you know, if you're smart about it, maybe there's an opportunity to, to make some cash too. But again, this is a completely individual decision and you should approach it that way. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, do me a favor, shout it out to your friends, share it on social media, and head on over to the link in the show notes and leave us a review. 